Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Happy to be back with you as usual on a Tuesday evening talking some golf. We've got the fall swing continuing this week uh, with the Zozo Championship, a no-cut event, uh, which is going back to Japan this year. So if you're not familiar kind of with the fall swing in DFS golf, there used to be a long stretch of events over in Asia, a couple events in China, this event in Japan. Uh, but, you know, COVID kind of threw a wrench into that for a few years. Obviously, they've been a little more strict with COVID protocols over in Asia than in some other parts of the world. Uh, and so, you know, we had a bit of uh, changes in the schedule and a lot of the Asian events have kind of gone by the wayside over the last few years. But nice to see this event in Japan. Uh, this will be the second year that they've been back over there uh, since the pandemic to play the Zozo Championship. And we'll take a quick look back at last week's tournament, the Shriners Children's Open as well. I'm Justin Van Zuden, a.k.a. STL Cardinals 84. I've got uh, Mr. Notorious, Derek Farnsworth, alongside me as usual. And uh, Noto, how was uh, how was last week for you? Yeah, it was pretty good. Tom Kim can't be stopped. Uh, if you played the no party narrative that we were talking about in Vegas, uh, <laughs> you would have been pretty happy. You couldn't even get into the clubs and... Uh, Ended up winning a second time in four events. Ended up winning uh, his second time before the age of 21. Um, and, yeah, just a, a great start to his career. It's uh, been a lot of fun to watch him. Yeah, pretty cool story and a pretty dominating performance for sure. Then I talked on the show last week. He was the one guy at the top that I thought because he was a little too expensive. I was going to be underweight on, and I didn't feel great about it. Uh, and of course, that uh, that did come back home to roost that uh, not playing Tom Kim was a problem. Hit on a lot of stuff last week. We talked about Mito during the show. Patrick Cantlay, obviously, everybody agreed was the top guy on the board. Uh, Sung JM had a really good week. Uh, but uh, without Kim, uh, without Tom Kim at the top, it, it was tough uh, to, to take down a big tournament last week. So 
uh, all told, a lot of the you know the guys that uh, that were there near the top, somewhat popular plays, uh, ended up having pretty good weeks. It wasn't a whole lot of carnage last week. I don't remember what the six to six percentage was. Um, forgot to forgot to go back and look, but I, I would venture a guess that it was a little higher uh, than what we usually see because there wasn't really a lot of chalk that uh, that missed. Gary Woodland withdraw was you know a little bit of a hit to some folks. Um, Peter Malnati withdrew like right before the start of the tournament, but uh, really one of the only guys that we highlighted last week uh, was Kirk and he missed the cut on the number. Everybody else, you know, if they were popular generally at least got to the weekend. So one of the rare weeks where the popular plays all kind of ended up making the cut. And um, it, it'll be interesting to see what that does going forward because people tend to, you know, get that not wanting to miss out when the chalk guys, miss the cut or make the cut on uh, in consecutive weeks, but we have no cut this week. So uh, just be an interesting dynamic as far as how ownership falls with the, all the chalk kind of getting there last week and a no cut event on the horizon this week. But uh, what were some of your other takeaways from, uh, from last week's tournament? Yeah. Seamus power was the one chalky guy that uh, ended up burning a lot of us. Yeah, in, he missed uh, on the number as well in the discord. He uh, battled back and then hit in the water on 17. And uh, you know, the, the team morale there in the discord really uh, took a hit <laughs> once that water ball happened. But uh, yeah. Did you happen to see the last hole as they were playing? Uh, I did not because Sunday we were driving back from, from St. Louis. So I didn't get a chance to watch too much of it. Yeah, so Cantlay pulled it left, uh, you know, into the desert area, ended up in a bush, and he decided to try to play the hero shot and kind of chip it back out to the fairway. Obviously, he was tied with Kim at the time. Uh, ended up not being able to advance it at all. So then he, you know, took an unplayable, so he was hitting four into the green, and he had a, you know, conversation with his caddy. Yeah, whether, you know, how far was he ahead of the second-place guy because he was trying to <laughs> preserve second place at that point. Um, ended up hitting in the water anyway. Then made a 40-footer to keep uh, a tie for second. So a uh, pretty uh, interesting combo there. Uh, you don't <laughs> see that very often. Well, Neesmith's probably a little upset then that he made that 40-footer because the paycheck is a little bit different for a solo second versus a tied for second. So uh, Neesmith ended up there tied with Cantlay, uh, who ended up three shots back after that debacle. Tom Hoagie had a really good round on Sunday, got him inside the top five. Maverick McNeely had a really good round on Sunday. We saw quite a few rounds. Jason Day was a big one at eight under. Uh, quite a few guys kind of made a surge there on Sunday. And we talked about there being uh, birdies available on the course. I mean, even towards the bottom of the leaderboard, Benny on Will Gordon, uh, those guys all shot eight under par on Sunday as well. So we talked about birdies being available and no surprise that, you know, the guys that put four rounds together uh, were, were there at the top and uh, Kim certainly deserving of the title. And, you know, he just has every look of being the next superstar. I mean, is he there now? Like, is he, a, is he a top 10 golfer on the PGA tour right now? I think so. And uh, I was listening to another pod and they were asking, you know, has your opinion of Tom Kim changed? And uh, I think it has for me, um, you know, picked up the first win, thought it was a great story. Then he was, you know, electric at the president's cup, single-handedly kept the international team alive. And then, uh, and his first event back uh, comes away with another win. So uh, I'm on board the Tom Kim train, uh, Thomas the train. Uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So I do think he's, you know, right up there. You know, his odds this week look a little funny right there next to, you know, Hideki and Sungjae and some of those guys. 
And uh, just the Korean, you know, golf in general has just been so good the last couple of years. And, you know, four in the top 10 last week, Siwoo Kim, Sungjae, uh, SH Kim, um, who's been playing some great golf after, you know, coming up from the Corn Ferry Tour. So, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, good internationals, uh, you know, starting to play. And, hey, Jason Day, back, uh, back in our lives. Uh, only to rip uh, rip our hearts out, you know, uh, in, in a few weeks when he'll <laughs> it, get a couple more, get maybe two, three more good finishes in a row. And then, uh, you know, then he'll get to like 10, 12 percent because he'll be 7,400 in a weak field event and then he'll withdraw or something like that. But uh, all kidding aside, nice to see him have a, a solid week there um, and and get himself maybe back on the right foot for a. A rebound season, which a lot of these guys we've seen, you know, pretty good starts from some guys that uh, maybe are looking to uh, to to get it rolling. So uh, we've got, uh, as I mentioned, a no cut event this week. Anything else from last week that uh, that you want to anybody else you want to highlight before we move on? No, I think I'm ready. Uh, I'm 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 especially ready for a break from the birdie fest. Hopefully. Yeah. So we've had quite a few birdie fests here to start the fall swing and now. Uh, we've got the uh, the Zozo Championship, uh, which, as Noto mentioned, a break from the Birdie Fest. They're back in Japan, uh, so it is being um, played in Narashino for the third time. So the first time they played here, they played there. Um, the second time they played it in the States because of COVID, and then last year they went back to Japan. Um, the first time they were over there, the scoring was a little better, but that was because there was a ton of rain and the course was really soft. Last year, we only saw three guys get better than six under par for the week. Amatsuyama got to 15. A couple other guys got to like 10 or 11. Uh, and then nobody else was better than minus six. So you've got a course that on average is probably going to play at or over par, uh, which is the first time we've been able to say that, you know, certainly in in the fall swing. Um, so don't be fooled by that scoring average, maybe from the first year, because there was a lot of rain and a soft course. But uh, you mentioned it. It should play as a difficult test. It's a par 70, but with five par threes and three par fives and only 10 par fours. So a little bit of a different layout than what we see in a lot of uh, American courses. Um, just uh, kind of a different type of challenge. And it's a fun golf course. So uh, it's an enjoyable tournament to watch. Even though the no-cut events maybe aren't the best for DFS, uh, it should be uh, an enjoyable tournament. So what do you have for data on this uh, this course here this week? Yeah, certainly a special event to my heart. This is where Tiger Woods picked up his 82nd career win after bogeying the first three holes. I, I remember I played him that week and uh, was pretty upset at myself after the first you know 15 minutes, but uh, ended up rallying. Then Hideki obviously won last year. We've also seen Brendan Still uh, up at the top of these leaderboards, Keegan Bradley up at the top of these leaderboards. Um, and so I think ball striking is definitely going to play a big role. You know, when we, when we have everyone hitting these greens uh, in these birdie fests, it typically turns to a putting contest. And uh, I don't think that's going to be the case this week. I do think ball striking is going to be important. Looks like there's going to be a pretty heavy wind on Thursday and Friday, at least in terms of gusts, uh, as well as some rain on Wednesday or sorry, Thursday. So, uh, definitely something to keep in mind. Um, not going to be a big discrepancy in terms of tee times, uh, I don't think, but I haven't uh, you know, seen those out just yet. Uh, you mentioned the unique layout. There's also a lot of uh, holes with two different greens that they're going to be using throughout the, the course of the event. And then the par fours, there's 10 of them. 
five of them are less than 425 yards. Five of them are more than 485 yards. So none between 425 and 485, uh, which is certainly interesting. Uh, the greens are bent grass. They're going to be slow. They're pretty small on average. Uh, the rough and the fairways are zoysia grass. And yeah, I don't. I think uh, bogey avoidance, total driving, iron play around the green, probably my uh, favorite stats to look at this week. Yeah, I like the total driving angle this week, and, and certainly guys that uh, can can keep it in play. T to green, um, you know, it's not going to be a who gets super hot with the putter and makes a lot of thirty foot birdies. It's going to be more of who can save a lot of four foot pars. Uh, grind out a you know around when maybe they don't have their best stuff available uh, and and still put up a decent score so uh, kind of ironic I've got the box score up we're so we're taping this on Tuesday night uh, the Yankees game is live as we are doing this and uh, Asian American Guardians kind of budding uh, leadoff star Stephen Kwan hit a home run for the Guardians uh, right what right as we started the show so uh, I had to look it up because I knew he was he, he's born in the states but um, his, uh, his mother is uh, Japanese American and his father is Chinese American. And so the, uh, Japanese heritage doing well tonight. And then my former Cardinal Harrison Bader for the Yankees just hit a homer in the bottom half of the inning. So worlds colliding. If you're sweating DFS while we're talking golf, a couple home runs in that Yankees game. And, uh, we'll see how that turns out. If you're watching on replay, you'll know, uh, before you watch, but all right. Uh, so we mentioned tough course. T to green play important, total driving, maybe bogey avoidance. Uh, certainly guys that have some experience, the two years that they've played here uh, doesn't hurt. If you are looking at that data, remember the middle year uh, was the year where this event was played in the U.S. So the first year and the third year are the two years where the tournament was played in Japan on this course. Uh, if you are looking for course history data, be sure you remember that nugget as you go through 78 golfers in the field. There is no cut. So everybody's going to get four rounds, um, whether they're playing well or not, unless they withdraw. And for those people that might be new, if you're just picking up DFS golf this year, uh, I don't think we've had a no cut event yet here in the fall swing. How is the no cut style change the way we want to build our lineups when we factor in the pricing this week? Sorry, I thought I was on mute there. Um, yeah, I mean, you can definitely take more chances. You can do the stars and scrubs if you like, but at the same time, you're going to get four rounds from everybody. So four rounds from a bad golfer is going to you know, hurt you just as much as two rounds and a miscut from a bad golfer. So um, generally, when we have a decent field like this week, I like to take the more balanced approach. But yeah, no golfers above 11K. So you can essentially build a balanced lineup while playing you know, one of the most expensive guys on the board. As far as the options above 10K, I think all four of them are pretty good options. You have Xander, who is the king of no-cut events. Uh, he obviously won the Olympics in Japan, so uh, his game seems to translate well everywhere. He's been in good form. You have Hideki, who's finished second and first here. Uh, he's going to have the support of you know the country behind him in this one. Uh, all the fans at the course are going to be cheering him on. Morikawa feels like a perfect uh, course for him. Uh, total driver, really hits a lot of fairways. And uh, the iron plays back. You know, we saw it at the President's Cup. He said his fate is uh, completely back. Uh, for a while there, he was hitting a draw, and he didn't know why. Uh, and he had to play it that way. So uh, now that the the baby fate is back, I think Morikawa was interesting. And then Sungjae, probably the hottest golfer in this field, other than Tom Kim. 
six straight top 15s, three seconds during that stretch, and a third place here in 2019. So I'll probably just take the cheapest of the bunch for my main lineup and go with Sungjae, but I really don't have anything bad to say about anybody. All right. Uh, speaking of making sure I'm still good, you still got me? Yep. All right. Sometimes my microphone mutes on 15-minute intervals, so I got to check. Or 15 minutes into the show, we're still good. So we'll see what happens in another 15 minutes. Um, agreed. I, I like all four of those guys up there. Um, and if you need the savings, I have no issue going a little bit cheaper. I think M is probably the safest. I like Matsuyama the most, I think, for upside. Certainly shown that he likes playing in front of the home crowd, the first and the second, you know, here uh, in the two events. And obviously, you know, he's motivated to go out and and, and put up a good performance. Um, was kind of interested to see where the ownership falls. It's a little bit higher than I would have expected, but uh, because he was nursing a like a neck injury uh, towards the end of the, the the previous season, you know, back in August, uh, seems to be all systems go now, though. And obviously people see that course history and, and are fine with going back to him. But I think you probably play one of those guys. There's enough. I mean, it's not like they're over 11K. I think you probably start most of your lineups with one of those four players. I would go M in cash game type of builds and, and Matsuyama and GPPs, but certainly merits to to all of them. Um and then it looks like Noto, I think you got might maybe something with your sheet where you upload your ra ratings. Is there a name? There might be a name issue with Tom Kim. Uh, yeah. He doesn't have his player ID. I don't know. Something on the back end doesn't match up with the one they sent me. So when I upload, and do the mine... sites, do, does DraftKings and FanDuel do they both show him as Tom? Uh, I think so. I think they switched it from Ju Young to Tom uh, starting before last week and that's kind of why we've had this issue two weeks in a row um but yeah we'll have to we'll have to get with uh support i know they're busy with nfl and everything yeah and basketball getting ready to fire up but again just wanted to pass that along as we said last week the fact that he's got blanks there uh don't take that to mean that he's not in the field or not a good play and obviously he ended up winning last week so i just want to make sure that uh, that that is highlighted uh and then hoblin as we start to get in the nine k's i think you know, you're going to see people on different sides of the argument here, like Hovland, great ball striker, not going to have to worry about the putter as much on small greens. But if he misses some of the greens, you got the chipping problem that he often has. Again, I'll take a chance on his upside in GPPs. Cameron Young, we know he can bomb it out there with the driver. Uh, what's he going to do on this course? But again, he's been, you know, he's been tearing it up on courses that he hasn't seen before. Fleetwood always tends to play well on harder courses when he's away from American soil. So this would seem to be a good fit for him. I like Fleetwood because I see 9% ownership on him. Uh, I, I like him a little bit better when you factor that ownership in compared to some of his peers. Uh, you got Hatton in there, who I will say for you. You've got a good ball striker in Connors at 9K. So again, not a ton of options, only six guys in the 9Ks with a limited field this week. Remember, we've only got 78 golfers. But uh, six quality options here in the 9Ks, uh, who are some of your favorites? Yeah, I prefer the bottom three. You know, Faden Tom Kim at this point is scary. But, uh, yeah, I like Fleetwood as well. Typically like him on non-U.S. soil. Typically like him in tougher uh, conditions like this uh, on tougher courses. And then I typically like him in the wind. And it looks like it's going to be pretty windy. So, uh, love Tommy this week. I like Corey Connors, good ball striker. We talked about that at the, the start of the show, sixth year in 2019. Seems very safe in 9K. And then Terrell Hatton, 
one of my favorite tournament plays on the board. So I was looking at strokes gained to non-cut events. He's uh, the best in the field over the last three years, better than Xander Schauffele, uh, who's kind of the king of no-cut events. So I thought that was interesting. Didn't have the best season last year, but he's coming off a of back-to-back top tens over in Europe. And yeah, I just think it's a good spot to buy low on that ownership. Yeah, interesting. You could have given me a few guesses, and I probably wouldn't have guessed his name as a no-cut kind of star, that being Hatton. Um, and his ownership lately has kind of tended to always be in that single-digit range. I don't think it – certainly it won't be too much higher than what we have there if it is. But uh, tournaments, Ago, Fleetwood, and Hovland as my favorites. Uh, maybe throw Hatton third in that mix, but plenty of potential with all these guys. Um, and, you know, no issue with uh, – with playing any of them, I think given the ownership, uh, maybe Cameron Young is the one I'll end up being underweight on, but uh, that's scary as well. That was Tom Kim for me last week. Like, what do we do with him off the win? Like, is he just fade-proof at this point? Tom I Kim? mean, I, I'm not going there, but I, I get it. I mean, he's played great, hasn't slowed down at all. Um, he did struggle a bit after his first win. Uh, in that first playoff event, I think he was, you know, pretty mediocre. So, I don't know. He's just been awesome. Um, he seems like, you know, golf's his number one priority right now, as it uh, should be. So, it wouldn't surprise me to see him play well, but I'm just not ready to pay this much for him coming off the win. Yeah, he wasn't coming off the win last week, but that was the rationale I used. Uh, he just I wasn't ready to pay that much for him. And it ended up biting me, but uh, he could end up being the highest owned player in the field. So, We'll see, um, but uh, yeah, probably not the time I'm going to start buying back in again either. All right, I think there's a bit of a dip in the field once we get below those 9Ks. It's not to say that these 8K options aren't good uh, and there isn't some upside here, but it's just a step back in terms of overall quality from uh, the 9Ks. Maybe these guys have one more weakness or one more little thing that's going to worry you a little bit uh, in terms of you know of their potential. You've got Keegan, you've got Siwoo, you've got Tigala, you've got Hoagie, and you've got Cam Davis kind of making up the upper half of the 8K range. Your thoughts on that that set of players there? Yeah, uh, I typically hate paying a lot for Keegan Bradley, but uh, I really like him this week. Coming off a fifth-place finish at the uh, Sanderson Farms, a guy that uh, has played well here each of the two times he's played, 13th in 2019, 7th in 2021. Very good ball striker, good total driver. Uh, his putting's come around, much like Emiliano Grillo, which we talked about, you know, for the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, his game seems to be trending. Um, I'll play some Keegan. And then I like Tom Ogie a little bit. Uh, three straight top 12s. If you want a good iron play, you know, he's one of the best in the field. Uh, he tends to be very streaky, and he's currently in good form. And uh, I don't know if there's, you know, any uh, casinos around him, but uh, that typically is what gets him in trouble. Um, so, so we'll see. I guess uh, somebody said they saw him at the – uh, the blackjack tables after you know his eight under on Thursday when he was leading, and then uh, shot one over the next day. So maybe that's uh, maybe we found his kryptonite. Who was this? Tom Hoagie. Interesting. He wouldn't have been the first name I would have. Well, then he shot really well on Sunday. So he uh, uh, <laughs> he was on the foreplay pod a couple months ago, and he was talking about he knows the how far there is a casino from every tour stop <laughs> you know, on the PGA tour. So really, really likes to gamble. Well, he's uh, ended up with a really good Sunday, giving himself a little more uh, fun money to do that with if he wants to, with a pretty solid week. And he's had a pretty good 
a pretty good 12 months uh, for sure. I mean, it was not long ago. He was priced in the six and seven Ks all the time. And now here he is as a top third option in these fields. I'm with you on Keegan Bradley at even at 8,900 uh, course should be a good fit for him. He's played well here the two times that the tournament's been contested at this course and a good start to the year. Everything you mentioned with Keegan, I like, uh, and he's my favorite play in the top end of this range. Don't have a real strong take on the rest of them. I do like Cam Davis quite a bit. He's become a little more consistent. Um, good par three score. If you, you know, par three scoring is a stat that I will wait a little bit this week uh, simply because there are five of them. So I uh, don't mind looking at, and, and that generally equates to guys who are good with their long irons. Uh, if you just want to look at those data points too, that kind of gets you the same vicinity. So I don't mind Cam Davis. Uh, I think he's an interesting play there at 8,500 because as we start to get to the bottom end of the range, everybody's going to play Mito um, at 8,300 because he had a really good week. We talked about him last week and uh, liked him, you know, when he was at about half of this ownership. Now he's at about 23% owned and he's a little more expensive. So um, not that I'm going to try to talk you out of playing him, but now he's not quite as sneaky as he was last week. Uh, McNeely coming off a decent performance. Stallings has been playing well for a few months. Munoz and Riley, uh, the one guy who's maybe been struggling a bit and Bazudenhout kind of round out our 8Ks. Uh, go ahead and talk about Mito and what you're doing with him as the chalky option. Then who else you might like in there? Yeah, wasn't uh, ready for the ownership that uh, we're seeing on him right now. So uh, I think he's very safe cash gameplay, similar to Sungjae, probably pretty safe. Um, conflicting trends here. So the guy right above him, McNeely, um, gained 10 and a half strokes putting last week. And Mito gained 9.1 strokes on approach. I generally like to take the guys with the better ball striking numbers. But um, when there's, you know, four times as much ownership. That's uh, that's a lot. So I don't know what I'm going to do with Mito just yet. Definitely think he's a good cash game option. Um, but my tournament pivot would probably be Sebastian Munoz, fourth here in 2021. Guy that typically plays well on bank grass greens, uh, which I like. He does make a pretty decent amount of birdies. So, um, yeah, if you're looking for a guy, and he did play in the President's Cup. We've seen a lot of these guys that played uh, in the President's Cup the last couple of weeks, you know, really play well. So I think that's kind of a boost to – I don't know, just anybody that had that experience, just a little bit of confidence under their belt. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you can certainly take something away from competing against some of the best guys and, um, you know, playing well or it, whether you got some points or not, uh, just uh, giving yourself a fresh outlook and a, and a start to a, to a new season. So um, I think the one kind of wild card in here would be Riley a guy who was in the nine K's for the better part of six months in some of these weaker field events. Uh, he was really popular kind of at the end of last season and the start of the fall swing and didn't really deliver in terms of results. I think the upside is still there and now you're getting him at 9% ownership. I just think it's interesting. Uh, don't have a strong take on whether you need to play him or not. Uh, I know a couple of our other Roto Grinders contributors do like him quite a bit this week. I think he's a good kind of wild card GPP option there at 8K, um, but I don't think he's he's a must play even in tournaments by any means. Do we know why he withdrew last week? Uh, let me look and see if I can find any nuggets. I did not see. I mean, but he did that in advance, right? It wasn't like. Yeah, it was before. Yeah, I was going to say it wasn't mid-tournament. Um 
No, I mean, nothing, no word of an injury. That doesn't mean there isn't one, especially in golf. But um... another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I don't see anything. Maybe just decide to take a week off. Too hungover. Got there. Got to <laughs> Vegas early. <laughs> I mean, to me this week, if you get there, I mean, you're not flying all the way. It's not, again, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we don't have this giant Asian swing now. Like, these guys are going to Japan for this week, and then that's it. So, if you're flying out there, you're probably teeing it up. I mean, if you there's any doubt about your ability to play, you're probably just not making the trip, and you're withdrawing in advance. So, hopefully, he's good to go, um, unless there's, you know, an injury that he aggravates during a round or something like that, but... No word of any injury as far as the reason why he was removed last week. All right, seven point. Uh, see, we go from seven point five to seven point nine k. The field kind of starts to drop off. Um, a lot of the very low end of this. The, this is kind of a co-branded event with the Japanese tour, uh, so a lot of the lower end of this field are kind of um, players that are. are not you're not going to want to roster just a difference in talent level between the PJ tour and, and some of those Japanese tour guys. But that's why you start to see some of the, the field really kind of get watered down as we get towards the bottom end. And it kind of starts to show itself as we get into these seven K's, but 7.5 to 7.9 K who are some of your favorites in there? Yeah, not a lot that I love. I do like Cage Lee a little bit. He's been playing well, um, played well at the President's Cup, played well last week. Although, for whatever reason, he plays all the TPC courses well um, and then tends to struggle on all the other ones. I don't know what the correlation is there since, you know, a lot of them have different grass types and setups and all that. But, yeah, played well at the TPC course again last week. Um, he was T18 here in 2021. And then I like uh, Neesmith a little bit. You know, we talked about him. Uh, he just... We've, I think we both said to fade him last week, which uh, obviously wasn't a good choice. Ended up finishing in the top five again. Uh, I think he's got four top 20s in Vegas now. Um, but anyway, he's top 10 in this field on approach and in greens and regulation, which uh, I think that combination is going to be really good uh, on a difficult course like this one. Yeah, I agree on this range being a little rough, um, but uh, uh, Hughes is a guy that I like. We talked about it when he won, like nobody wanted to play Hughes and he was in relatively poor form. But then all of a sudden, boom, comes out, makes a cut to start the fall swing and then wins. And he's always been streaky. So uh, there's a guy that I. Oh, you got muted. You there? All right. Well, we can't hear Justin. So as soon as he's back, am oh, I back? You're back. Yeah. It take when it happens. It's like it takes like thirty seconds before I can unmute, and I did a poor job lately. When I know it's going to happen, I try to I try to cede the floor to the other person uh, right before those fifteen minute intervals, and I did a poor job of that tonight. 
and I was talking and rambling on about Mackenzie Hughes when I got muted. But anyway, I, I, I mean, like Hughes. That means you got to fade him. Uh, I, I wrote him up. I did all the work already. I can't. I got to stick to it. But The universe uh, is telling you something. He's always been streaky. Got to win. And it's not like it was last week. It was a couple weeks ago. So he's had a few weeks to rest and recharge. And he's always a guy that's tended to play better when he's going good and gets his confidence going. So since this range is relatively weak and we have seen his upside quite a bit, um, I, I don't mind him at 7,600. He's not a guy I've played often, but I do kind of like him this week. Uh, anything else in kind of that mid to upper 7K range that uh, that we've missed? Uh, nothing else for me. All right, let's go ahead and move down a little bit. Uh, you got Ricky Fowler at 7,400. He missed the cut by a couple strokes last week, so still struggling to get that consistency. Steele has been a little hit or miss lately. Luke List has been hit or miss. Patrick Rogers has been hit or miss. Uh, Streelman is coming off a terrible year last year, but has gotten off to a good start in the new season. Uh, who are you liking in the bottom part of this range? Yeah, Ricky Fowler has become the ultimate pyramid scheme. Uh, you play him, he burns you, so you got to recruit three other people to play him. Um, then you make a little bit of money back the next week, and then you know if they recruit right three now, everybody's broke. Him, so where did that money go? <laughs> The first person that played him and told everyone else to, to start playing him the next week. Um, he got the referral bonus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't Yeah, I don't know what to do with Ricky. Uh, I want him to play well, but uh, I'd rather have Taylor Moore. After some great ball striking <clears throat> there in the, in the fall, all of a sudden Brendan Still has been struggling, so that worries me a little bit. I always like Svensson. Matt Wallace has been a little bit better um, the last couple months. But uh, my favorite play is going to be Troy Merritt. So he's played here both times, top 30s both times. Typically very streaky with the irons, typically very streaky with the putter. So if you want a guy with some upside down here, I think he makes some sense. Um, yeah, not a, not a strong take there after the miscut, but I do think his ownership will be pretty low. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people are going to look his way at all after, you know, the finally kind of – Falling off a little bit, uh, so I, I think he's a really solid play there at 7,100. Uh, Going to grade out pretty well in in our projection models. I know our consensus rankings have him up there pretty high. With you on Svensson, always a guy I play a lot. And I think you can, I mean, you can take chances on some guys in here. Again, it's a no-cut event, uh, not a lot of ownership. So guys like Rodgers and Taylor Moore and Merritt and, you know, even an Alex Smalley, I think, certainly in play. Martin Laird, we've seen some upside at times. I mean, these guys you can sprinkle in to your GPP builds. You're probably not going this low in a cash game. I mean, maybe you you round out your lineup with somebody in kind of that $7,500 range, but a little bit more risk uh, with some of these golfers. And if you want to, I suppose, I mean, Buckley is the guy right now that we've got projected for the highest ownership at like 6,800. Uh, so maybe that's where people will go to round out their cash game lineups. But I don't know. Like, are you on Buckley at that ownership? It kind of surprises me. It seems a bit high. Yeah, I think uh, this is kind of the range where everyone just kind of tries to grasp at something. And he's coming off of, you know, back-to-back -to -back top 20s. So everyone's going there. I'm certainly fine going elsewhere. Um, he's not a guy that you know, I'm playing the flag with. I'd rather eat the chalk up top and differentiate down here. All right. Anybody else kind of in that 7K and below range? As I mentioned, it thins out in a real big hurry here. Uh, so I do like uh, Takumi Kanaya. I was just trying to look up his official world golf ranking because for a while there, he was in the top 
50. So right now he's 147. Um, he's been playing a lot more in some bigger events over on the DP World Tour. But he did finish second here. Um, similar to Hideki, he's going to have, you know, the crowd behind him. So I like him a little bit. And then uh, after that, it's, I don't know, Lee Hodges maybe. He's a guy that's been playing a little bit better. Um, I was hoping to do some more research on, you know, some of these other Japanese players, but I just didn't get the chance to. Have you uh, any that stand out to you? Yeah, I haven't. Um, I haven't done a whole lot. I know um, uh, Nakajima is the guy that Jason Sobel wrote up in his article this week, um, and he finished third at the Sony. So, uh, again, it's we haven't seen a lot of these guys, and, I mean, it's obviously just, you know, based on a very small sample of, of what we've seen, but at 6,100, uh, he is kind of the one guy there that's getting just a little bit of buzz uh, in the DFS community. Might have a little ownership there at what is he 60, 6,100. So um, that would be the one guy. Brandon Wu is another one at 6,500 that we've shown a little ownership on. Uh, if you want to go with more of the known names, like guys like CT Pan and David Lipsky. Um, have good numbers in our projections. I, none of these guys I'm willing to plant my flag on, but if you are building a hundred lineups, I think those that I just mentioned, um, Pan, Lipsky, Nakajima, and Wu, they'll probably be in my player pool sprinkled in a little bit, but it's not like I love any of them. This is uh, completely off topic, but uh, <laughs> did you see Spencer Levine's uh... – Putting stroke last week, I did. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know what to say. It's. <laughs> I ended up playing crazy because he was uh, leading in ball striking after two rounds. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy. Happy Gilmore. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. And where did he end up? Uh, I think he finished like fiftieth or something. But I got to try to find the. I gotta try to find his splits, or do you have them ha ha handy? Where did he end up in putting for the week? All right, let's see. Uh, I'd have to pull up the PGA Tour site. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was just looking at Shugo Imihara, and I I thought it was the guy that remember him. He had the the crazy swing where he like turned around. I don't think it was him, but it was another uh, call. Do you remember that guy that was playing on? The yeah, I do, but PGA I'm not gonna outside. come up with that name. Yeah, and then so I just was like, oh, that was a that was a fun couple weeks with that guy, and then I remembered, hey, Levine's putting. Yeah, he was minus four with the putter for the week. Okay, <laughs> so pretty good. He was my he was second to last of the golfers that made the cut in putting. Yeah, not great. That's probably why I didn't win in showdown. Tee to green numbers though, <laughs> but probably that's probably not the answer with the putter. Oh, just give it a couple more weeks, you know. It's good to see him back on tour, though. I mean, he hasn't. Was it an injury, or did he just not have his card? Right? I think he just struggled, and it was like ten years ago he was playing, right? Yeah, it was a long time, so I didn't know if he was on a medical at some point or whatever. But, um, yeah, the PGA Tour tweeted out a a, a video of his putting stroke, and he's kind of doing the Happy Gilmore imitation. It's pretty interesting. Um, if you want to 
check that out. Uh, it was his first cut made on the PGA Tour in uh, five years. So kudos to him, obviously. Paychecks mean a lot more on the PGA Tour when it's been a long time. I mean, the, the prize pools on the mini tours and the Corn Ferry Tour and all that stuff uh, do kind of pale in comparison to the PGA Tour. So. Oh, speaking right. of speaking of money, sorry, we're just getting, we're just rambling right now. But no, um, here. So Justin's, uh, you know, one of the best young golfers has made less than five hundred thousand dollars in his professional career. Eugenio Chikara, who won the Live event last week, made nearly five million dollars. Another one of the you know, better young players, you know, coming up. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if a lot of the the other young players coming out next year end up signing with Live. Just Make a bunch of money, you know. So I mean, then at that point, they've got to they've got to decide to expand their fields at some point, right? They can't just keep using fifty golfers. Yeah, they keep losing a bunch of guys that they paid at the start. Um, but hey, I, I guess it's better for them now. They can take their money and go play on other tours again. Yeah, it's just it's weird. I mean, at some point, you just gotta. But then what happens, right? What happens when you're when you've got 96 golfers and you're promoting a shotgun yeah. start, I, 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 don't, I don't know. And the, the viewership numbers last week, like I saw somebody tweet out a, um, they, were, they were bad. Like, you know, 12,000 people watching on YouTube um, when it, you know, they're down to the final four or five holes. Not that, I mean, we'd love to have 12,000 people watching our show. It's all relative, I guess, but uh, you're trying to be this next major, you know, golf kind of, league and and the one everybody turns to and you've only got twelve thousand people watching with a couple holes to go i don't know i just don't think the steam is building in terms of the uh the overall format and the product uh and now you know they're out trying the big story for most of last week was that they were trying to get official world golf ranking points (laughs) this was by partnering up with the the mana tour i think it was called uh, but a tour like in the Middle East or somewhere that hadn't held an event <clears throat> since the COVID pandemic hit. But then all of a sudden, oh, here's our new schedule. And it's the same as the Live Golf schedule. And, uh, oh, our events are now going to be 54 holes, but we're sanctioned, you know, tour and uh, you're going to get official world golf ranking points. And it was just the most comical thing. It's all so bizarre at this point, the way this is all played out. And then, you know, obviously the official world golf ranking said uh, you did not send us this to review and the policies and procedures that are in place, you know, for changing the events to 54 holes and whatnot. Uh, so not so fast. You're not going to get these official world golf ranking points. And this is all going to bubble up into the legal, you know, mumbo jumbo that's happening with all this. And it's it's a little bit of a shame because it just looks dumb and it just kind of puts a little black eye on the sport of golf and. I don't know. I'm still kind of at a crossroads of if you told me that 12 months from now live would be completely dead and gone, I would believe you. And if you told me 12 months from now that live would be on a similar level to the PGA tour, I'd probably believe you. Like if I went into a coma and and I came out 12 months later and you told me those two things, I'd probably believe either of them. Because I just don't know where it's going. And it, I could see it completely falling apart. Um, or I could see, like you mentioned, these young golfers see Chikara go out there and make $5 million for winning a tournament. 
and the up and coming guys start to get attracted to that paycheck and maybe they find a way to get official world golf ranking points and and the traction does build but i'm on the side of you know in two years it's going to be completely irrelevant and maybe it just goes away or maybe they end up working something out with the pga tour even though it looks awful right now but i don't know what are your thoughts on all that yeah i think that's a great way to sum it up it could go one of two ways I do think eventually, you know, you got the number two player in the world right now on your tour. You got a couple other guys that won a bunch of majors. I think eventually they have to get points. Um, you know, Bryson was saying last week that the uh, official world golf rankings, they're, you know, dragging their feet on purpose so that they're, all their golfers are going to drop in the in the points. And then when they finally do award points, it's not going to be as much because you know, everybody dropped in points. So, uh, yeah, just interesting everything that's going on. Um, another thing. Like after, you know, DJ's contract ends, is he just free to go? Like just going to be, okay, Saudi government, I'm out. I'm just going to go back to the PGA Tour. It just seems like uh, you're kind of signing your life away there. I don't know. It's, it's so well, weird. Well, what did the PGA Tour, the PGA Tour put a stipulation on that, right? That they can't come back? Is that? I think so, but I don't right. know if that was like a binding thing or if it was just a statement. Again, I don't, who knows how that's all going to play out. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a wild time of golf. I mean, maybe... The DJ can probably just ride off into the sunset and be done if he wants to. I mean, yeah. what else is left to do, I guess? But it, it's just weird. It's such a weird dynamic. Um, weird headlines that are coming up all the time. You just you don't know where you're going next. It's almost like a movie. Uh, and you know, I, I don't know. And you can start to see it. I mean, in the strength of the fields, you know, this tournament is decent, but uh, you, you do kind of see some drop off in some of the, the lower level events. And uh, they've got some pretty big names there on on live right now. But it just still seems to be used more as a punchline for the general golf community than a appointment viewing. Oh, I've got to, you know, I've got to turn the stream on to watch neiman and and cam cam smith and dj again maybe it turns around at some point maybe they get a tv deal maybe they work something out but uh just trying to get world golf ranking points with a sham partnership uh was just a wild ride uh and of course the official news you know then uh patrick reed's wife started tweeting about random stuff last week was just wild on the news front like right, right after we did the show uh, and then uh, it, it just uh, it, it almost feels like, you know, a week goes by and then everything changes. But in any case, we've gotten through the event for this week. Um, 78 golfers and uh, a lot of uh, fun time. Somehow this uh, went longer than a lot of our discussions on the full fields the last few weeks. But uh, there's there's a lot to break down in the golf world these days and a pretty strong field at the top this week. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, good luck building all your lineups. Uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, five minutes ago, I had the schedule up, and I remembered what the tournament was next week. The CJ uh, Cup. Congaree. At Congaree. That's right. That's right. You reminded me of that last week. Really excited about that. Congaree is a great course. Uh, again, this is a tournament that for a few years was held in Korea, uh, but they're holding it in the States again at Congaree, which hosted an event a couple years ago, and uh, and everyone was talking about how it needed to be a full-time PGA Tour stop. So happy to have that back on the schedule. Tune in for that next week for the CJ Cup. 
And uh, we'll be back here same time, same place to break it down for you. Of course, stick around here at Rotor Grinders for all our great content. Get yourself a premium subscription if you're interested in all our lineup HQ tools, all our articles. Uh, you can pick the sports you want. You can do the combo package. We've got NBA starting up in like eight days. Um, we've got NFL going full steam ahead. Hockey started tonight, if you're into that. Uh, just a busy time of year on the sports calendar. So check us out, rotogrinders.com. Also, scoresandodds.com for all your sports betting needs. If you're in a legal sports betting state, we'll have you covered at scoresandodds.com as well. So for Derek, I'm Justin. Thanks to our producer, Devin, for working hard behind the scenes for us as well. And we will catch you next week, everybody. See you later. 